Hey, what is up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's great to have you all here. Even though I can't technically see you, I'm assuming you're having a great day and you have a smile on your face. If not, um, please do put a smile on your face. My guest for today is Alain de Moscovaki. He is an entrepreneur, CEO, and president of Arobas Personnel, which is a placement firm that specializes in IT. He has uh, worked on this business for the past years and now he is really uh transitioning into well shouldn't i shouldn't really say transitioning but he is going on a new venture um, and he's starting his new business called workbase so workbase is basically a workspace business um, very much like we work but uh, it's going to be it's starting off in montreal he's going to be renting out office spaces there's going to be conference rooms and we do talk a lot about that on the interviews, so stay tuned for that. And other than that, I'm really excited for this one because Alain is someone that I look up to. He's someone that didn't come from a lot, and uh, pretty much like myself, he does have a geek side and he embraces it to the fullest. Uh, we do talk a lot about that in the interview as well. But uh, there, there's just overall very much to learn from this man. He is absolutely incredible in what he does. And the mindset he has is very valuable. So if you do want to uh, take your business to the next level or if you just want to adopt a winner's mindset, I highly encourage you listening to this show right here. So without further ado, please welcome Alain de Moscovaki. Enjoy the show. All right. So let's start this. Alain, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Um, we we're just geeking out over comic books and <laughs> stuff of that nature and um it's interesting to see how culture has shifted over the last i would say you know over the last years but 10 15 years for me has a big has been a big change because i don't know for you but when i was in school let's say marvel everything that was star wars wasn't that mainstream right was it different for you uh, yeah i think every generation is is close it's there's not a big difference it's not a question of being mainstream it's a question of being cool yeah right so when i was a kid uh, it was i think it was just as popular just the movies made it bigger today yeah. but the comic books were selling a big volume mm -hmm. just that if, when you're in school and you want to look cool, so being a comic book reader is not necessarily cool. It is today. It's a different world. Yeah, exactly. Today. But was... I mean, but I mean, back th back then, my time, your time, or let's say most of the people that's ten years and back, over yeah. back, right? So be before Iron Man in two thousand eight, um, to look cool, you wouldn't show that you like comic books, whatever type of comic books. Yeah. You know, even you'd watch what type of music you were listening to because it was some type of music you didn't look cool, right? So you, you, you'd protect your image Yeah. because as a kid, kids can be nasty or, or you know, or mean if, uh, if you don't fit in. So you try to fit in. Can you, and, can you hold the mic, mic just yeah. a bit closer? And I think today it's easier. It's much easier to fit in. Yeah. Well, easier. being a geek is, is like, uh, is, is more natural. Yeah, it's more accessible and you see also, you see on social media everything that is being shared around that and you see like, oh, there's actually a very big community of of people that like what I like. And I'm sure over, in the past it was the same, it's just that nobody really talked about it. No, like I let's say I was interested in Star Wars, you would never know because I would never say it just out loud in class or whatnot. And... Go no, you're it. right on that. Star Wars is 40 years old, and when it came out, it was still the biggest movie of its era. 
Yeah. So, but then again, people weren't walking with T-shirts. You didn't have conventions uh, as much as today. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the everything has shifted. Uh, collecting has become bigger than it was. Yeah. Forty years ago or twenty years ago, you know, I had toys uh, thirty, forty years ago. That today, uh, you know, I was walking a convention this weekend and I was seeing some of the toys I owned that are worth. 10 15 25,000 yeah and that's just a figurine that's crazy yeah so but but back then you would just like throw it away you know you couldn't you wouldn't realize how popular it would one day become yeah that. so some a lot of people would come would want to get back to these old stuff so it's different era today Interesting. today the kids uh, you go to gap you go to everywhere and you've got clothing from all of this geek world so mm -hmm. you, you start dressing your kids very early into them, into it. Yeah. And they just absorb it right away. So yeah. they're... I mean, I'm curious to get your point on this because I think it's actually a very smart marketing, not a scheme, obviously, but a marketing technique in the sense that you're actually catering to the parents. You're going to buy the kids' clothes. You're going to buy their toys. And if you see that their toys and their clothes are actually what you used to consume when you were little you're way more likely to buy them. But yeah, generally, you know, obviously the first reflex you'll have when you're buying anything to a kid, if you're a woman, you'll buy Barbies because when you were a child, you were playing with Barbies and when you're a man, you'll be trying to buy what you're playing with. Like Hot Wheels or... Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> the cars or, or army figurines or Star mm -hmm. Wars or whatever because that gets you closer to your child. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you're buying something you also like uh, that brings you to your childhood, well, you re-become this child when you're playing with your child. So yep. it, it's not just the marketing for the kids. Obviously, kids will, by instinct, love what the parents love. That's true. You know, generally, that's what's a, cool for the parents is cool for the kids. Yeah. You know, as they grow up, they, they, they get to, you know, like their their personalities they start to kick in and what they value more start to differentiate a bit but the core if your parents find something cool you're more likely to be in that same same type of era you look at child that grow in a house where rock and roll is played or hard rock is played in the house as they grow they'll grow loving that music because it's the music they've always listened to as, as a child That's so it's, true. A little, it's a little bit the same thing so of course we know with my kids uh, yes you know jonathan and my kids you know you start them early bringing in into the marvel world and the star wars world and the disney world and obviously they start loving it young and then one day they have kids mm -hmm. again jonathan is an example and then their kid starts loving the same thing yeah so it's is that um and i'm obviously like I'm, I'm going to develop on what you said here but is that how your relationship with jonathan really um because I, I see you guys are super close right you just went to chicago together for for the convention star yes. wars convention right yes. um is that what keeps you very how can i say that bond very solid where because i feel like a lot of times when it's let's say father and son and can be the same with mother and daughter when you grow up you kind of grow apart because there's not that thing that's holding you back together i think as a child if your parents did not share something they loved with you and brought you into it somewhere in time it's going to separate 
Yeah. But if they're you're brought into something you both share alike, mm-hmm. then you'll always have that bond. So mm-hmm. for us, that was one of them. It was something that, you know, uh, uh, when we're when it's business, it's business. When it's uh, my life, his life, it's that. But when we we have the things that brings us bonds us together, that's the one that re- that brings us back to when he was a child or I was a young father. Mm-hmm. We love the same thing. So it's like a continuity. And he's doing the same thing to his son now. That's so, amazing. So, so it's kind of cool to have that circle continuing down. So when you have the kid that's two years old doing the Jedi with the sword, knows all of the, all of the, all of the characters in the Star Wars universe, they can name them all mm-hmm. when he's two and a half years old and, and play with the lightsaber. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's like, hey. It's like I wouldn't say we converted them because you breed them them into yeah, you know. And sometimes they get even more interested in it than you, right? But uh, I think uh, the observation even Jonathan notices when when the dad says it's cool, and the kid goes, "Ah, it's cool," <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know, it's not that you're forcing them into something. You know, there's you you notice sometimes with time, some kids are different, and they'll not necessarily kick into something. Mm-hmm. But when they kick in, yeah, it, it obviously bonds you. Like if you're a sports, uh, you're very cl- a sports uh, athlete, and you play, let's say, baseball regularly, mm-hmm. and you start bringing your child into the game at the park, sees you playing, and you start throwing ball with the child, and then he grows up and start playing ball, and then you end up coaching them. Then you've got this bond yep. over a sport. So it's just finding this thing that That's bonds what, you. What happened with my dad and me? He used to play soccer, and ever since I was little, he was always the one just coaching me into soccer. I don't play professionally like I could have, but I decided to focus on something else. But it's still the, the one thing that if there is a World Cup going on, if there's something going on, a league going on, we can always go back to that and have that bond that is just like untainted by time. It, that, it exact same example. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just that... Your father, that's what got him going. That what gets him going is the it's is soccer. Yeah. So it's your bond. Mm-hmm. What 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 got me going as a child up to today, it's the geek world. So obviously that's the bond with my son. And then it continues on. Are you excited for the next Avengers movie? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm think I'm not alone when you start looking at the the pre numbers that are it's, coming out. Apparently it's gonna be like the most um anticipated movie of the year. Well, I think it is the most anticipated. I think they're saying they're predicting 900 million worldwide. That's crazy. 900 million in sales the first weekend worldwide weekend. Wow. Weekend. We- some, <laughs> some movies would die on a theater run to do that. That's not a theater run. That's that's just the weekend. That's just the first weekend worldwide. That's insane. They're saying 900 millions. How? Yeah, that's a lot. I wonder like how Disney really does it because like they it's it's the story right uh, DC has a hard time and a lot of other companies tried and it's not working Harry Potter was a success and and the the, the second series which I don't remember the name is is not is not is not working out mm-hmm. you know the, the storytelling is the most important you won't go see something if the story's not good you're gonna stop watching it yeah so the secret is that the stories are always relevant. That uh, you still, when you walk out, you feel entertained and you feel kind of surprised that there's always something new that 
the story are compelling. They talk to you. Yeah. And that's the magic they've got with that series. And even even if you know the story, like even let's say for myself, I read the comic books. Yeah. I'm sure you, you <laughs> probably read some. Jonathan read some. Even if you know the story, you're just going to go because you know it's going to be amazing. It's going to be epic, you know? They still twist the stories, which is great because, you know, I read the books. I read all the books, the Civil War and mm-hmm. Infinity War, or Infinity Gauntlet or all the versions. They well, get, they have they have to condense it in in a smaller package, yeah, too, and they right? have to surprise you also because yeah. uh, you have restriction on time doing movies. Mm-hmm. And if you do a copy and paste, then the movie is going to be twenty the hours movie, long. The movie's still going to be great, but I mean, there's there's it's not going to be, you know, it doesn't it's not going to surprise you. To surprise you, it needs twists. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the good the good side of what they've uh, they've created. So you know? since we're like in in the origin story kind of world right now, we're talking about narratives and whatnot. I thought we'd dive in a little bit about like what's your origin story? Yes. <laughs> like, uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, what did you study? A quick, you know, five minute kind of origin story. Oh boy, I need more than five minutes. <laughs> As you could say, my 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 life is separated in a few phases. The first phase uh, from from being a small child in school or preschool school up to 11 years old i was an a, a child that had no confidence mm-hmm. no friends that was bullied very very bullied um so my only universe to hide from that was the comic books so the captain americas and iron man and all were a little bit my escape uh, mm-hmm. route so I would read a lot of those alone, you know, because it's cool. You know, you're the last chosen, and if people are playing around, it's just to throw the ball in your face or whatever. So it was a little bit tough. Uh, and then when we hit phase two, yeah, it's a, I think Star Wars is the reason for it, especially Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's that's the major major life changing life-changing uh moment is when i saw empire strikes back um i'm 11 years old it's playing in a theater downtown in montreal i'm in laval Mm -hmm. i'm all alone obviously no friends so i gotta make a plan to go see the movie alone take the bus take the metro be courageous enough to do it go to the theater which was called empire at that time which was a nice theater very old style theater with the red curtains and the mm-hmm. balconies which is really a beautiful theater and i sat down and watched the movie and when the luke skywalker training came around with yoda mm-hmm. that's when it all happened that was me. epic that's for me it was all there three things the first first one and is when he's lifting rocks and stuff and and Yoda goes to Luke, lift that rock, and he goes, ah, okay, I'll try. He says, no, there is no try. Do or do not. There is no try. Uh-huh. First thing that pops in my head is you can't, if you want to do something in life, you do it. Yeah. You can't try to open a door. You open it or you don't. Or right? you move on to the next. That's it. And, uh, and then the, the next thing, the next big moment, he'll say, let's say the biggest, biggest of it is when his his x-wing is is diving into the swamp 
Mm-hmm. And he's going like, oh, no, I'm stuck here. What am I going to do? And blah, blah, blah. And then Yoda tells him, lift it. And he goes, why? Well, it's way too big. He says, size does not matter. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's no challenges big enough than what you you tell yourself. So if you, if you, if you, it, your mind controls the size of the challenge, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then he tries to lift it. He can't lift it. And Yoda lifts it out of the swamp, drops it. And then when Luke looks at it and he says, I can't believe it. And Yoda tells him, that's why you failed. So mm-hmm. I think those are the three things that came out of it. You do something, you want to do something, you do it. You are never afraid of the size of the challenge. You go for it, right? And you got to believe in what you want to do. So I came out of that day saying to myself, that's it. So I got, I had this girl that was living in my my building. And, you know, I'm in an area. We don't have money. We're in a small apartment. We're we're like, uh, we're almost stacked one over the other. Mm -hmm. And... I got this girl that's just next door, a beautiful girl. I'm really, really like, uh, really into her. And but now I'm determined, I will get her. Right? You'll go talk to her, and I'll go to her, and 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 then you know I'll win her over. And um, actually, I did, and you know, and uh, she's my wife today, and grandmother of the kids, mother of my kids, and grandmother of our grandchild. Holy shit! So that was <laughs> that was the first success of my life. But beyond that, it's like I changed everything in my focus. I got a lot of confidence. I wasn't afraid of dressing what I, the way I wanted to dress. And at that era was Michael Jackson breakdancing. So. I, I was even going to school with the glove, with the 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 the, the, the glove. Yeah, yeah, the white gloves. The white, well, the, with the with all the little shiny uh, uh-huh. things on it, and I would go and dance, and I got into break dancing, and I wasn't afraid to fight if I had to fight. It's like it was a full transformation, and wow. I became the cool guy at school, and I became kind of popular in a sense. They would come to me for for you know uh, how should i dress this you know like you're doing this cool and blah 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 <laughs> so it's always like, like a full transformation and that believe in myself uh-huh. brought me to believe in anything i could do and we start planning out our lives before wow. my wife became my wife obviously we're still teenagers and we're living like a, not a great life and our parents are and successful in whatever they do. Mm-hmm. So we start planning everything else. Like at 20, we do this. At 25, we're this. At 30, we're this. At 40, we're this. It's like we have this plan. We're going to have three kids, a boy and two girls. And all of that was planned. Uh-huh. It was so planned. And when we got married, we actually set it on video. I got a tape that we were going to have three kids, a boy and two girls. And that's what we got. A wow. boy and two girls. That's insane. And like everything was planned. At 20 years old, I drew a house. I drew a house uh, on a piece. I was good in drawings. I drew a house. I said, we're going to live in this house one day. And I had this house, this drawing, on the last page of a pad that I had working, so a notepad for whatever I mm-hmm. use for job. I I'd always have to lift the whole pad and watch in the back that drawing that I put, which was the house we would live in. And... At age of 35, I think, we lived in that house that I drew, you know. So a lot of things was just like, I think it's believing 
focusing um and i and the and funny thing the it. funny thing is that this weekend as i was there at the convention you mentioned earlier the star wars convention yeah. the funny thing is that i realized i'm not alone in this story star wars changed the life of a lot of people yeah especially that empire strikes backs yeah storyline Change the lives of a lot of people. And when you're sitting down and talking with other, others of those geeks, we'll call them, and some of them are very successful business owners and stuff. We were talking cars and this and that. Mm -hmm. And then you realize we went through the same phases. And that movie turned everything around, transformed the way we saw goals, yeah. the way we, we got determined. And it brought, brings us a lot to say that we kind of believe in the force, not the force in the cinematic world, but more the like force the in will. the sense of the will exactly that there is some sort of energy around us there is something that if you really will something it will happen and yeah. i would have stories for hours to give you of of situation where they were so crazy that i willed something so hard that within 24 hours it happened you know i'll give you one strong example of how strong this was. I am 20 years old. I walk into a dealership that hires me as a salesperson. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm a super, super good salesman, but I'm this young, super, super, I'm mean, this young, very dynamic salesman, and I want to prove to everybody that I'm good, and, and I love cars, so I'm hyper-knowledgeable. I know everything about everything about the car, so much that in those first six months, the salesman, the older salesmen, they all come all to me for questions. Hey, I think, what's the package on this one? What's the package on this one? Like, uh -huh. what's the options on this package? And what's, and I was so good in numbers, I could calculate leasings off my head. So they would come to me instead of going to the manager saying, what would be the lease on this car for 24 months? I go, this car, it's da da blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would go. So six months later, the sales manager goes, brings me in. He goes, hey, uh, how would you like to be assistant manager? Right? Continue selling and you'd be assistant manager and help the team out. I go, right, no problem, man. I am loving this. It's mm -hmm. great, fantastic. So I'm doing this, but you know what's happening in this following six months is I'm gaining a lot of space. People aren't going to the manager anymore. They're just coming to me. And he was the kind of manager in that era that, you know, would, would drink, would go for our two-hour lunch and come back very relaxed and leave a little earlier. So I become the center of attention. So what happens is on... I remember this all my life where the party, the Christmas party at the dealership were 23rd of December because we're going to close for the 24th mm -hmm. and all. So the party is in the showroom. Cars are being moved out and blah, blah, blah. The manager calls me in his office and he brings me in. He goes, Alain, he says, I, uh, we have things to talk about. He says, uh, it can't continue with you. Uh, what you're doing? What you're doing, exactly. So you've got two choices. You return as a salesman or we give you your 4%. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm 20, going on 21. And I'm going like, what? In my mind. Yeah, because you didn't know what but, was happening. But instinct, instinct got me, I'll get back to you. Right? So I get up. I don't react. I don't go crazy. I don't give a bad vibe to everybody. I walk out like nothing happened, but I, I go right away to the best, best salesman in the house, Nick Carlucci. 
a best salesman, one of the best in the province at that time. I go to Nick, I go, Nick, if I go somewhere else as a manager, do you follow me? He goes, <laughs> yes, perfect. I go to the second best, and he's 20 years older than me, Nick. I'm just a kid. And I go to the second best salesman in the house. And I go, if I go somewhere else as a manager, Drago, his name, do you follow me? He goes, yes. I go, perfect. So I did the party, not telling anybody what just happened, staying very positive. Went home because we were closed and we were reopening for Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. I just go home and I tell my wife to be. I go, this is the situation. Blah, 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 blah. I says, this is how we're going to do it. I know the competition. There's a dealer across the bridge. They've got issues with their management. Things aren't going the right way. I'm going to walk there, meet the owner, tell him I'm going to build a team and make his dealer the best dealer in Quebec or one of the best. And I'm going to get the job. I'm so confident I'm 26. I enter. We're just off. It's 24 and 25. So nothing's happening. Yeah. So on the 26, I enter and I tell him I'm going to take the 4%. I clean up my desk and I leave. Without, so, without having actually nothing. talked But to in you. my mind, that was the plan. So I come home 26, 27, 28 and going to the reopening the second or the third. I don't remember the exact date. So I'm doing this plan and I'm building up a business plan, a presentation. I'm going to present to the owner of the other dealer exactly how I'm going to do it. And I, I and, and you know, we're in the typewriter era. We're not in the word processing with computers. So I'm <laughs> typing this and then I'm going to the to the whatever office depot that exists at that time, doing photocopies and, and do two binders, one for me and one to hand, hand him over. And then I go on the opening when the dealers reopen, I walk into that dealer, I ask for the owner, I sit down in front of the owner and I do him my show. I present him the show. I present him my, my package. He looks at it and he goes, Will Nick follow you if you come here? I said, yes. So he goes, if Nick follows you, you've got the job. I go, great. Obviously, we're not in the cell phone era, so there's no way for me to call him. So I just leave, go home, start dialing until I can reach him. Then I tell him, Nick, you're starting Monday. <laughs> you're coming to me at this dealer. He says, okay, boom. And then a week later, I was sales manager at this dealership. And he was like third to last when I walked into that dealer, uh, second to last in customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I brought them to th third position in sales and best in customer service in a, in a three-year span. Wow. And so the Nick, manager... Nick followed you? <laughs> yes, and Nick followed the, and, and the Drago followed Drago, me also. Yeah. So both of them followed. And we built a super team. And... Uh, and then we went, we went on from there. And then there's a lot of other stories, but karma, much, 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 much later in, 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 in time, I'm, at, I'm, at, uh, I'm still in the car business, but now I'm at Porsche mm -hmm. as a manager. And we're, we're sponsoring a tournament at uh, Saint Raphael, mm -hmm. El Bizarre. So I, I arrive at, the, at the, the parking for the backdrop with the Porsche, obviously, with a 911. So we park, we, we open the doors, and we start getting the bags out. And mm -hmm. guess who's picking up the bag at the backdrop? Oh, my God. That manager that told me 
that gave me the choice of the four percent of the four percent or that he's or, now a bad guy in a golf uh, golf course wow see life how life can be so yeah so i could have stories galore but yeah i believe i i really believe that if you will something if you believe in something you it can make will it happen. happen it will happen i'm not talking willing lottery or winning the lottery that's not going to happen right that's 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 dreaming you have to re you have to realize if you're dreaming in in, in impossible or you're willing something that can happen and you have to do the work too which a lot of people like as much as you know you did you did have that will you also put in the hours you also yes. you you had a plan I, absolutely and that's like the difference between someone that thinks it's just like you know woo woo kind of stuff like yeah i'm gonna will it to happen versus actually happening which is what you did absolutely absolutely i you know i think in life it's all a question of of seeing where you want to be and then and then mapping out mapping out the path to get to it right because that's what life is basically so you have to if you ask anybody where you want to be in five years and they can't answer they won't know where they're going to be in six months whatever you plan it's not necessarily going to happen exactly the way you want it's like using ways right So you start your road to destination and then whoops, uh, deviation on the way. Because if you continue on this route, it's going to take 10 minutes more. But if you move on this route, yeah, you yeah. can say that's life, right? You so have to be adaptable. You have to adapt. And then you might hit a pothole and get a flat and you might have a breakdown and you have to have it repaired and you lose a bit of time and then you got to get back. And that's life. Life is is full of surprises. It's messy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is messy. But you can't lose target, right? You no. can't just abandon and go, oh, all right, so I ain't going to see my parents anymore because because there's traffic, because there's deviation, because ah, it's, okay, it's over. That's not over. It might be bad weather, so it's tomorrow instead of today, right? So a plane yeah. is canceled, so it's the next day. Who cares? Right? But that's life. So you might have a plan, and one of those steps is canceled. It's not over. Yeah, it's just a process to the next one. You just turn the page to to the next the next door. It's like reading a book, you know. There's this. Oh, it just went bad for the hero. He just got. Uh, But that's what makes it interesting too. Yeah, yeah of which, course. Which again, I find that this is why, like reading books and and even all these origin stories, like Marvel universe. Uh, I'm a big Marvel fan. I don't know if you can tell, but like <laughs> everything that has. Uh, a plot twist, a challenge. I find that that's what we resonate with the most as human beings, and we should welcome it. Like m much like Yoda said, "Okay, lift this rock." That's kind of life. It is, and and that's why I read these books also, um, because I think they connect me to to the real life, even if they're fantasy. They're fantasy that has a base based on real life. Mm -hmm. you know? and that's how it comes out from the imagination of somebody that lives and brings his emotions down into a story mm -hmm. like a singer brings his emotions down into a story like a love yeah. song so it's, it's based on emotions you've lived mm -hmm. and that's how you become a very good storyteller because you've had stories that happened to you and you just take those stories and you transform them in, into fantasy so you went from being a shy kid at school to basically going to talk to the girl that is now your yes. wife yes you worked in car dealerships yes how did you make that transition from being like a 
sales manager in car dealerships to having now an IT um, a placement firm, well, which is called Arobas. <laughs> How did all that happen? That's another interesting story. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, again, another, another, another uh, twist in life. So I'm at this stage where I'm living in the house I drew. Okay. Uh, I own a Bentley Continental GT. My wife is driving. Uh, I remember if she had the Cayenne Turbo or Lincoln, uh, Lincoln MKS, whatever. She was driving mm -hmm. a luxury SUV. Kids were in private school. We we're living on a golf course. Life is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the car dealerships. And now it's time to plan to the next step. You know, it's like, okay, now I'm making money to these people, but I'm not the one that's... I've always said, like, I'm a handshake away of saying thank you very much, but F off, right? So if they sell yeah. their business, you help bring up their, the value of their business. But you don't they, own they any of it. Yeah. You know, they, they capitalize on that, on that uh, success. And you're stuck with new owners that might like you, that might not like you, that might bring people to replace you, and and then you're effed, right? You're, yeah. So I go to myself, I think it's time to move on to having my own dealers. Mm -hmm. So I rally up investors. We're in 2007, so we're starting this process. We've got investors lined up. We're going to start buying multiple dealerships. So I have three, four dealers we're talking with. Three of them we get into letter of intents. Uh, one one doesn't work out. Uh, two of them get approved. They approve the, the the offers. So we start the due diligence process. And and with car dealerships, you can't just buy it from the owner. You also have to be accredited by the dealer because they're franchises. So we go through the process with the, the manufacturers, and we start the process. But it's a long process from from the moment you start negotiating. You do a letter of intent. And you start you start doing your due diligence and your process of getting credit with the dealers, the manufacturers. There's a long time that happens. So we're six months into it. So I, I have to I, I become I'm starting to get into a conflict of interest with where I'm working because I'm working in a group of dealerships. So I see the owner, I tell him what's going on. So I leave Porsche to pursue this these purchases. But you know I have such a great relation with the owners that he's backing me up. Not mm. financially, but I mean reference-wise and all. So it, there's no no issues there. Mm -hmm. But the big surprise happens in August of 2008. So we're on the verge of getting accepted. Everything is going very well. The market crashes. Yeah. Big, big, big time. Mm -hmm. And when it crashes hard, car business is also affected big time. Yeah. The true brands that I'm actually have letter intense, I'm in process, are two of the American brands, two of the big three, which actually the three big threes are in process of bankruptcy protection. They fall into bankruptcy protection yeah. in 2008. So I am using my investments. I'm actually margining, margining my investments. Mm -hmm. Margin is you're using, you're you're using as collateral what's invested, and you use line of credits against it to take the money to finance to finance all of this purchasing. Yeah. And what happens when you're you're doing that in the marketplace is if the marketplace crashes under a threshold, they do margin callbacks. That and that is that means they call back the money. Okay. Because they're you're using market as a collateral, but if the market goes beyond below the money that's owed, they call back the yep. money, right? 
and the, the Black Monday where the markets crashed in the 80s, where people went crazy, a lot of people threw themselves out of buildings when that happened, mm -hmm. you know. Because me, in a snap of fingers, I lost over a million dollars of assets. Everything disappeared in one shot. And obviously, investors backed out. The banks weren't financing anymore. It's like everything crashed. Yep. So second big challenge in life. The first one, we'll call it minor when I was 20. This one, I'd say it was pretty major when that happened, 2008. It was a turning point. Yeah, and I'm 40. And uh, I've attained a lot of goals. And, but suddenly, everything I worked for till 40 is disappearing. From one day to the other, I'm not in a Bentley anymore, in a Pontiac vibe. Because mm -hmm. everything had to go. So I'd say I'd have, I had my first three bad months. Really, 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 really bad months. Of, of, of reevaluating life in itself. I think you like you refocus and go, okay, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, you're still too young for that. And as you get older, you'll start saying that. Your father says it, or your uncles will say that. You always say, if I knew today, <laughs> what if I, I knew when I was 20 what I know today, you know, if I knew all of that when I was 20, man, I'd be like rich. So I go, hey, I know everything. I can fast track everything. Mm -hmm. So let's just plan it out again and do it f quicker. Yeah. Right? So again, I have always had this attitude of never showing that if it's not going well, people must not ever, ever know. So my circle, my inner circle, family and all knew. Everybody outside my circle never knew. You were like ice. You, like you they wouldn't, they up. wouldn't know the difference. Like yeah. how's everything going? It's not like oh, it's not going well. Because a lot of people that are negative will do that. They're telling you yeah. their negative story. It's like okay, I don't need you. Need you. <laughs> I just just going to talk <laughs> on this point because I'm someone that is very much like that. Like if you come up to me and you tell me about your negative stories, misery loves company. And <laughs> there's nothing good that ever comes out of that. No, absolutely not. You know, and I'm not a good listener for that. So I'm definitely not going to be a good storyteller negative. So I stay out of it. So I was a member in a golf course, and I said, that's one thing I'm going to keep. I strat strategically kept a few things that, that even when the hard times came in, that could, shouldn't change. Private schools for the kid, the golf membership. Not because I hate to play golf. I'm not, I'm not a good golfer. Mm -hmm. But for networking, it's yeah. a heck of a place. Yeah. And they don't know what you're driving in unless you park it in valet and you show it off. So for all the years I was there, they saw me with nice cars, with Porsches or whatever. Mm -hmm. So suddenly the next day you park this Pontiac Vibe in the parking lot and you walk to the tee off. They don't know. Yeah, they don't. In their mind, you're still driving these cars. For sure. Okay. So you could start talking projects, uh, taking all the positive energy from these people and what they're working on and, and things. And you start... Nurturing your brain with what's the next step? Car business is over. <clears throat> it, it, it takes too much time. Mm -hmm. Nights, the weekends, and needed more and more of time with the family and all. And the time off that I had from working on the purchasing of the dealer was more often the home than not, obviously. And I, I enjoyed that part, being more with my wife and the kids. Mm -hmm. I was looking for projects that I could have a more of a call it a normal life even if an entrepreneur is never a normal life it's, it's never very balanced but uh, you wanted more balance and time mm -hmm. 
So um, one day I'm playing golf and I'm playing with this member that I've never played with before. And he's talking to me about his business in the staffing in the IT business. Mm. And he explains to me how it works and stuff. And for me, business is business that you sell water bottles or phones or a personnel. Business is business. So it's all about relationships, rapports, and, and, and giving a good service. So I'm listening to his business and we're playing golf again and again and again because we're enjoying playing together. And then one day I go like, I just thought of something I could have his business grow. So I do this plan. So one morning again, one morning we go to breakfast. Actually, we're on a golf course and I tell him, and I got this idea for you. It's going to bring your business to the next level. He goes, okay, let's do breakfast. Perfect. So we're on breakfast and I present him this idea. And he goes, man, that's great. When can you start? I said, Monday. Okay, so you're in. So November 9, 2009, I entered Arobas Personnel mm-hmm. as an employee. Wow. Okay. And fast forward in time, I'm the president, majority shareholder of that company and in other projects. In the span of? Of uh, 12 nine years? years. No. 2009. We're in 2019. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we're nine years and six months into it. In November, it's going to be uh, 10 years. Okay. So when the crash happened, it took you kind of like a, a transition period before tackling into this, um, yeah. this venture, this yeah, new venture. Yeah. And restarting. Pressing the reset button. And restarting into something. It takes a lot of um, perspective to do that and then really taking a step back. Because a lot of people, like, if they have reached your level of sales and, you know, like the kind of lifestyle that you had, getting that blow might be such a hit to their ego that they would just crumble. Yeah, well, obviously, I said I had three months of reevaluating life. Mm -hmm. Just that I think my overall positive attitude on the majority of my lifespan help turn it around very quickly you're resourceful you don't in you my don't mind, dwell you don't dwell onto something no, you can't control really. no i know actually i turn the page on things i can't control and i believe that what happens happens and nothing in life happens for everything happens for a reason like there's always a reason for why it happened but, and when you when you really look back into life and you look at all those stages you go okay that's this happened and this happened because of that you know sometimes my wife goes hi hey, you know if and this is the things like uh, I always tell her, I don't live in ifs and I don't, ne- I never <laughs> live in the past. I use the past as a platform for the future of not repeating mistakes, yeah. of, of being better. Uh, but I never if the past, because if, if you do an if in the past and you say, oh, what if I wouldn't have left the car business? I would have stayed there and I, I wouldn't have crashed. I wouldn't have lost my assets. I would still be in the same place. I actually wouldn't be where I'm at today. For sure. Which you is wouldn't. a higher level than where I would have been. And, of course, I had to lose. But for me, the, the loss in 2008 was almost like a bungee jump. Uh-huh. Where I jumped, got down. But and when you went the elastic, up even higher. When the elastic really hit, it pro- propelled me at a higher level than where I was. So if I relook at my life as I'm reassessing constantly the 20 year where I should be in 10 years and in 20 years. And I know where I should be, you know, when I was 40, I knew where I should be at 50 and where I should be at 60. Well, at 50, I'm even a little further out there where I should be. 
So now I know where I should be at 60. So I'm working on the next 10 years now. So, and you need to reassess that because you're actually further actually, along the road. Actually, I'm not reassessing it because I think there's always surprises down the road. I'm saying so I'm a little bit ahead of the, of the game. Mm-hmm. That means I have a, more odds of hitting the 60 target at 60 or before. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a little later, you know, so a lot of times I'll say my wife at 60, well, we should be at this level, let's say in, 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 in life uh, richness. And she'd say, yeah, but what happens if we're not, you know, for me, it's like, if we're 80% of that, if we're 70% of that, we're still, so pretty good. We're still much higher. Right. So, and that's how you target life. Do you always aim a bit higher? Always. Yeah. Always in a realistic way. Always, but in a realistic way. So let's say I'll start and I'll say, you know, when the house was the target A, obviously Porsches and cars like that is, is a fun target. And then one day you say, I'll have an Aston Martin and then whoops, you get it. Yeah. Right. So these, these are, I think for me, the cars, the funny thing is that um, I don't drink or very little, you know, a little bit of wine here and there. Uh, but you know, I'm not a drinker. I never, ever, ever, ever got drunk in my life, ever. I never touched a cigarette, and then anything else beyond a cigarette. Wow. Um, so gamble, I I don't gamble. The highest I've put on the table is a hundred bucks, just to see how you know <laughs> on, on uh, at the roulette. You know, gambling on colors, red or black, so like not even playing it really deep. So I don't gamble. I don't even know how to play blackjack. I hate anything that has to do with odds because mm. I figure I can control life. I don't have to play with odds. I'll play with what I can control. Um, so since I'm quiet on all these things and I have the same wife since I'm, you know, I'm with her mm. since we're 15 years old. Um, so I don't have mistresses. I don't have, I don't, I don't have things that cost money, stupid, irresponsible money. So for me, the only thing where I'll, I, I, I feel I'm weak, let's say, because it's my pleasure, is the cars. cars. <laughs> right? And at the same time, the cars, is it tells me a little bit where I'm at. Because a bank account or value or business value or whatever you have equity stakes, it's, it's things you can't touch, right? You can open your statement and you see it, but it's like a number. It's like monopoly. It's, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I like to have a reference where... As I'm moving up a ladder, I have to be able to stop, look down which height I'm now at. Okay, so I'm up to here. All right, uh-huh. so let's continue moving up. So I always have a reference of where I'm at. For me, the cars is somehow my trophies that tells me where I'm at. Yeah, and also you so, have to enjoy yourself. Yeah, no, I enjoy myself. I enjoy myself and the geekness and a lot of stuff. So I don't have Rolexes and stuff like that. So the car is for me, it's, it's a little bit of that pleasure of driving my trophies. Yeah, of moving around in the trophies, of looking at them, of sitting in them, enjoying them. So I know where I'm at. So then what's the next one? So the next one has to be a hypercar. Oh, right? amazing. So, you know, a, a million dollar car. So that's like you say, that, well, that's the next uh, next level you want to you want to reach. So <laughs> that should be in five years, five years, five years should be the hypercar level. So right now, um, at this level at today that uh, you just came out from a meeting for work base. Yes. Uh, tell us a bit more about that work base. Why did you come up with that idea and uh, what's, what really sparked it? Well, the two business I own, uh, let's say the primary one is, is personnel business in IT. So we're, we're dealing with company growth 
every day. Mm-hmm. People need staff. That's a huge challenge. And what comes up a lot with some of our customers is space. Because as they're getting as they're getting funding or they need more people to get their projects on the line, they need space. Mm-hmm. Space is being an issue. And some of them also because they're not well positioned. They're in Ville Saint-Laurent and 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 certain programmers are a little bit fussy about where it's at and a lot of them don't even own a car you know even if they make uh, 80 100 dollars an hour they 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 don't want to spend on a car so yep. they they want they want everything accessible downtown so so you have to get locations that are good for them and in our building we kind of had the space mm-hmm. to do something that could answer growth company growth and we was, we were seeing companies like WeWork growing massively worldwide and the statistics showing how much demand there's for that kind of business so we decided to jump into the bandwagon and and create an office space that would answer to these this office need but twist it a little bit not just doing it the more traditional way uh, we work as beautiful spaces, more industrial look. Some other some other spaces are more business spaces. Yeah. Um, we chose to do go a little bit boutique style, a little more a little more geek. Mm-hmm. So we can't use uh, like in our office as you visited. We can't use the Marvels and the Star Wars and these things. So you can use it in private space, but you're not allowed to use it in spaces you're actually promoting and selling. Okay. Because there's copyrights to them. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a little uh, line that you cannot uh, you cannot you can't you can't pass. So what can you use? Uh, but you can create the environments. So um, our conference rooms will all be thematic. Mm-hmm. So not one conference room will be the same. So one could be like a wine cellar type of decoration. Another one could be like a metro station uh-huh. design. Another one could be a little bit uh, a very retro. Uh, expedition style uh, another one could be space space uh, like galactic uh, galactic or like a, like a you know again we can't use brands but let's say a star trek meeting room type of design without being that's insane one of these brands so that's one of the signature we'll use all the conference rooms will be different thematic thematic gives you you know the gives you the temptation of eventually using all of them and inviting your guests over to do the meetings in those conference rooms because it's kind of cool. Well, depending on what kind of business you have and, and what you're talking about, too. It still doesn't matter because everybody likes cool. Yeah. Right? So it's it's not like a Barbie room or, or it, it, it does. <laughs> it, there's not a signature to a room saying like or not. It's universal enough to be thematic and work with anybody. You do a medieval room; it's gonna work with most people. Yeah, you know, you look at Game of Thrones number. You can't do a Game of Thrones, but you can do medieval. So eventually, as we take more space in the building, because our goal is to grow it out, now we have a fifteen thousand square foot to start with, which is a very good size. And uh, we are gonna grow it. Our goal is to grow it up to the four stories in the building, mm-hmm. to sixty thousand square feet. It's on Saint Catherine, right? On Saint Catherine, yeah. Right next to Square Phillips and the bay. So is it mostly um, conference rooms or are you going to have like spaces for individuals? It's full office to... space. So there okay. will be conference rooms. And I put the accent on conference rooms because those will be thematic. But you know, we're going to have a huge lounge. 
uh-huh. uh, lots of private offices, uh, some shared offices, open offices for people that just want to open membership. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a very co-working, open style uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So, but with some freshness, yeah. using some some cool technology. And you're going to have the same, uh, is it Jonathan that's going to be over there no. more than... No, Jonathan is in the personnel business. Okay. So he'll keep the focus on the personnel business. I have my, my daughter, one of my daughters that are, is more implicated in that business mm-hmm. with, with a girl that we brought in that has a lot of, a lot of co-working uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So, Amazing. So it's pretty cool. So um, I wanted to follow up like with a... F- topic that is uh very relevant to what we're talking about because i see you doing all these things you're planning out beforehand you're doing so much stuff obviously because uh, like every time i see you you have a new event you have a new adventure that's going on um how do you deal with overwhelm do you ever feel it do you ever feel like you're doing too much or and how do you keep that balance do you i think if you're well prepared you don't get overwhelmed okay and you have to surround yourself with the right people. You have to accept the fact that you're not, you don't know everything. Mm, that, you know? that was actually a really hard one for me. Yeah. When starting my business, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you tend to just want to do everything. And The worst thing is, is to believe you've got to do everything. <coughs> you know, a lot of owners, they own a business. And because they own a business, they become so protective of the business. They want to do everything and they don't accept uh, a person, uh, somebody else that takes a lot too much space or, 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 you know, or decisions. They have to control, they, they micromanage their environment. The danger of that is that you can't create value. A business in order to grow, it means you have to clone. It means you can't be there. You have to be replaceable. So if you want to be your business needs to become successful, it means you don't you don't you can't be there. You yeah. have to build it independent enough to be successful. The best comparison is your business is the child you give birth. You have to bring this business to be fully independent. It'll go from its child moments, learning to walk. Those are the first three years of business where it makes or break. If you if you if you're really close to your business and you do good thing and you surround it properly, you give it the good first three years, and then it becomes independent. And then when it becomes independent, it becomes like a adolescent, you know, a teenager. Mm-hmm. So a business becomes a teenager in its fourth year. You know, so the fourth to fifth, sixth year is those teenager level, and you want to bring it to maturity. Maturity is when you have to, you have to delegate, and you have to surround yourself by people that could do your job, mm-hmm. you know, or parts of your jobs where you're just pointing and you're just directing, you know, you become a director, like a movie. Okay, I do this and do this and this is the right way. Okay, now re- redo this and this is wrong. And da-da-da. So you can absorb, you can observe what's going on when you start delegating. Because if you're still consumed and doing everything, you don't see what's happening. I think there's a difference between uh working on the business versus working in the business right like when you're too much in you can't really take a step back and look at the big picture no exactly you're you're too you're stuck into it and then you start comparing people to yourself 
which is and, which you, is you don't accept you don't accept that that person is not doing it like you yeah but i'm working 70 <laughs> hours a week and he's not working or she's not working yeah but they don't own the business yeah that that right? was that, right? that's so, something that's something that um i had to kind of learn for myself too because as much as you want people working for you to work with as much passion as you doing the same thing that you would do spending those extra hours you have to accept that they don't own the company <laughs> they don't have the same mission you do yeah so they don't own the company they don't have the same mission when somebody's working for someone majority of them their tar their their target is less than a year a lot of the time you'll ask them, so what's your project for the next year? Ah, oh, day by day. Mm -hmm. How often you've heard that? For me, it's jour par jour, right? It's day yep. by day. The day by day is the people that work, right? And the, the managers are people that have a year vision. The owners are people that have three and beyond vision. Mm -hmm. And that's the big difference if you separate the people. Mm -hmm. oh. you, you can't expect people that don't have the same mission as you, that don't have a long a long term pro view it's like it's like driving a race car to drive a race car you have to have the capacity of always looking a kilometer away the further you look at even if the there's slower a, the road seems to be going and even if there's like someone right next to you you have to focus like very far very far turning your head to no, very far and if you're looking very far away you see the curves coming you see yeah. everything coming you, you can re, you can pre-react to it you don't feel the speed but if you start looking the closer and closer and closer you look in front of the car the faster the car seems to go and the more stressful it is to that's drive. such a good analogy you could do this tomorrow drive your car and just do that exercise you look 10 feet in front of you, you're going to start getting nervous. But if you look <laughs> as far, far away as you can, you'll take the whole stress away. I never look at the cars in front of me. I try to look at through their window of that car. Yeah, and, and, and looking, looking to see what's the happening. light. Is it turning yellow? Is it turning red? You start braking before. Instead you, of like looking yes. here and then you look up, you're like, oh shit, it's a red light. <laughs> I think like that analogy also ties into comp competitors. Like a lot of times I feel like the business that are doing the most, like doing very well, they're businesses that look so far ahead that their competitors right now don't even matter that much. All right. So before I ask the final question, I wanted to uh, touch upon a point which you brought up earlier, which I think is super important for the people who are listening right now, but also for myself, which was that when you go up to someone and you want to get their attention you want to do business with them go up to them with value which is what you did yes. at that golf course like you came up to this person with a plan of how you could actually grow their business and i think a lot of people like never think further than themselves they just go up to someone and they're like i want to do business with you and then when they ask the, the other question you're like well, I don't know, I'm just going to work, but I don't really have a direction. So it's not just about planning for yourself, it's also for planning for the others. Like, how am I bringing value to this person? And I'm, I'm sure like you've done this over and over again for the dealerships as well. And that's where, that's how it brought you these connections and brought you to this point. It's a, actually, it's, a, it's like a tape that you're constantly replaying. And, and it all starts by your personal life. You can only do something in your business life 
that you're doing in your personal life. So if you plan your life, personal life, you can plan business life. If you can't plan your personal life, you cannot plan your business life. You are inter-attached to yourself. It's the same person. It's the same vision. Which is repeated in different scenarios. It, it repeated different scenarios. It's like it's, it's, your, it's your basis, right? So you have to program your mind into seeing farther and to planning it farther. You have to program your mind. You have to program these reflexes. It's like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. It's not instinctive until you're programmed. Brainwash yourself into yeah. believing that's it. Repeating to yourself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Becomes a habit. You know, and, and watching it. And just, just I'm going to do it because this is one step after you've seen, you've made your plan. Like I said, you have to break down things. First exercise is you got to do a three-year plan. If you, you know, I pushed it out to, to, you know, the 20, the 10, and then broke it down. Uh, but you can start smaller. You, you have to start to burn, to train yourself. You have to start with a, with a thinner plan, but you start three year. Where do I want to be in three years? So to be there in three years, where do I need to be in two years? So you don't have to do two to three, but where you need to be in two years. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. So where I need to be in two years. So where do I need to be in one and a half years? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now where do I need to be in a year? And then from a year to now, you have to break it down into months. And that's how you start your targets. So now I can control my month to month as I'm moving along target one. And yeah. then as I'm moving along to target one, depending of where I landed at target one, I readjust for the mid of target two from a year and a half to two years. I, I resegment into 12 months to that last year but then it, it, it will become extend you know instinctive before you end the third year you're already already be planning the five years mm -hmm. because you'll add two more years to it i'm at five years now perfect five year plan perfect. that's why when i heard your 20 year plan i was like oh damn this is uh this is the next level yeah because you have to align that five year with a bigger plan that's true right so you so it's like landing thanos into the Marvel universe and you see him four years down into the movies with the first, the first Avengers and you're landing something in 2012 that's actually going to happen in 2018, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a bigger plan. So you just insert it slowly into that bigger plan and then you just plot everything that happens to the plan and make it work out. And that's life. And it also, it gives you patience because I feel like a lot of people like, they on the day-to-day -day basis they overestimate what they can do but they underestimate what they can do in 20 years but 20 years is actually a, a a great amount of time to accomplish a lot of things but if you don't plan it out you're never going to do really much you, anything you, because people discourage themselves too quickly because they figure things can happen in six months they don't happen they go Ça marche pas. <laughs> Ça marche pas. it's not gonna, it's never gonna happen i don't believe it. and then whatever is then then you start getting around these people and you tell them, I'm going to be doing this in a year to go, it's not going to happen. This is no, 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 no. You know, <laughs> if I had a dollar for everybody tells that told me that whatever I'm doing, it wouldn't happen, probably be richer than what I'm, you know, I'm at now, <laughs> you know, because I'm surrounded by people that, to that told me I would never succeed, that would go bankrupt, that would, whatever the reason, you know, you because, that, because people, they envy you. They, they envy you because they envy what they can't do. Everybody can do the same thing unless things keep you from doing it mentally wise or whatever. But everybody has the same capacity. 
is either you believe it or you don't mm -hmm. you know and you plan it out plan it out don't get discouraged that's why you do these timelines and longer spans because it's not going to happen in six months you know, and, so, and sometimes, you know, as I was getting older, you know, you go like, hey, I will get all my wife at 50 will be this, at 60 will be going, hey, it's almost, the kids are almost uh, retired. And I said, we're never going to retire. Because you love it. You love what you're doing. I don't believe in retirement. You, I, I don't either. I don't think like I'll ever just sit and do nothing. It'll <laughs> never, it'll never happen. So, you know, the plans will just be pushed ahead and ahead and ahead. So when I reach 60, I'll be planning to 80. Now I'm planning to 60 and 70, but then I'll just push it to the 70 and the 80. I'll reassess the 70 and I'll refocus the 80 and then move on from there. Because I think we're in an era we could live 100. Yeah. Technology's and, there. For sure. Right? So for if sure. something that can, could happen, could happen. But I mean, you can't now focus your life saying, okay, I'm going to die at 80. You don't know. And you can't focus on retiring. A lot of people, they die once they, re once they stop doing everything they were used to doing. So you can't stop. And this is something to, we're, we're going to be closing, but this is something I've learned at my Porsche days. Because being at Porsche, my daily customer was successful people. It's mm -hmm. like you couldn't be more surrounded by successful people on a daily basis. You know, people that would own not just one jet. I had customers at that time that owned two jets, not just one, two jets. In case you know, the other one isn't working. Whatever. <laughs> and I, I had one that was ordering a $41 million challenger global express uh -huh. when i was selling him a porsche you know i was selling some poor six hundred thousand dollar us porsches to some customers so it's just the, what i was saying the big thing is that notice a lot of them they were 65 70 80 85 and they're buying these cars and they're working they have a job they have a business and it's the first realization of saying there's no end, right? The end is the day your brain shuts down. Mm -hmm. As long as your brain is alive, there is no end. So there's no end game. It's just live it, plan, move forward. Assume you've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years to play with. So if you've got a lot of years to play with, 10, 5, 10, 20 years is very little. Yeah. Very little. And life is in the race. It's something I've always told my son. When my son would go, ah, if I want a Ferrari, now it's, eh. life is not a race. Wait. Mm. It's not going to bring you happiness. This is one thing I, I say to everybody's going to ask me, you know, okay, but if you succeed, will be you, you know, will it bring, what will it bring you? Actually, it will, it will not bring me more happiness than I have today. I can never be more happier in my life than I am today. And that I've been saying every day, and it's something when my kids were at home, I was saying like every day is the best day of my life. You're healthy, you're in love, you're loved is the best day of your life. Material is nothing. Material is just a, it's just a, well, it's, icing, it's a it's measurement icing on the cake too. It's a measurement of where you're at. It's, it's, a, it's something, it's something you can afford because of, it's a reward based on effort. That's all. But yeah. it doesn't bring you happiness. You know, the day I got the car I dreamt of. The, the, the next day, the, the next day I, was just your car. I, I, I wasn't happier. I yeah. was I was excited for that moment, but I wasn't happier. 
It doesn't bring me more joy. You know, there's some people are, are trying to buy joy. You can't buy joy. Joy is something you have inside. You, of you. have it. You believe it. I'm happy. I'm super happy. So I'm not. I'm not running after happiness. So that means that if something doesn't succeed, it doesn't make me sad. You see, that's the difference. Some people they measure their happiness on success. And yeah. when they're not, mm -hmm. when there's no success, they're sad. Canadians are winning. Ah, it's fantastic. Canadians are losing. <laughs> oh, this life, a city. No, no, no. So, you know, I'm using Canadians as an example, but you get, you get the, the drill. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, no offense there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it. So for me, success is 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 a is more of a. It's challenges to keep you going. It's the challenges in life that keeps you motivated. That keeps you driven. It's like com com competition for an athlete. For mm -hmm. me, my competition in my mind is business. It's a sport. It's not happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness, I've got it all. I, I, could, I could stop everything today as is, not do anything more. I'd be happy to the last day of my life. So Alain, it was a pleasure to have you Same on. Same here. It was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're a very busy man. Final question yeah. before we leave. Uh, if you could have one superpower, oh. what would it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, I, I've Actually, you know, as funny thing is as, as much with all these years of reading comic books, I've, uh, you know, my, my favorite superhero is Captain America. So he doesn't really have anything special other than honor. Honor. Yeah. I think, I, I think his biggest superpower other than super strength is, is, is honor, is, uh, staying true to himself, uh, always protect the others before himself. Mm -hmm. Um, being so, of service being, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, my happiness comes on the happiness of others. So sharing happiness is part of my my own pleasure I, I draw I draw a lot of that from making other people happy so I think yeah I think I think it's where I be like Captain America is uh, is my style so that's beautiful thank you yes. Anna pleasure thank you man thank you very much for tuning into the show it would mean the world to me if you went on iTunes and you left me a review. If you want to leave me a one-star review because you really hated the show, I guess it's okay. You know, just leave me your honest feedback. But if you want to leave me a five-star, that's even better in my personal opinion. No bias there. Um, but thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, until next time.